podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. and welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is David and today we are going to be continuing our FPL Scout Report series which gives us the opportunity to look at some new names and faces in the Premier League. Some of those who've changed from one club to another or as is the case today, uh, instances where we get a brand new manager in the top flight and what that could mean for Fantasy Premier League managers this season. And today we're going to be looking at the man who has replaced Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth, which is Andoni Iraola. Now, it was a bit of a surprise uh, dismissal for O'Neill, who some could potentially suggest should have got manager of the season because he came in and tidied up a bit of a mess at Bournemouth. They'd lost 9-0 to Liverpool with Scott Parker telling everybody that the players at that club weren't good enough for the Premier League. And O'Neill came in, got the job full-time, 39 points, Premier League safety with four games to go, but not good enough to keep his job on the South Coast. It was a decision that was met with quite a lot of criticism, but we have to say that this replacement at Bournemouth does look very exciting. And we have to give their owners possibly a bit of credit for uh, having a bit of an ambitious plan to potentially uh, push up the Premier League with a highly sought after coach. And really, we have to say they're going to get judged on the outcome of this decision. Wouldn't be the first time we've seen Premier League owners make uh, managerial, changes of, managerial changes that feel harsh but then end up being the right decision. Could that be the story uh, with Andoni Areola? Well, it is our responsibility to uh, answer that question. And we will start by going through the history on uh, Areola because he is someone who is really lighting up European football right now. And uh, a lot of that comes from, from his history as well. So let's, let's, let's dive right in. Let's find out what's going on with this guy, what he's going to bring to the Premier League and what he's done uh, so far. So, uh, he was right back when he was a player. Uh, he played 510 times for Atletico Bilbao, uh, which is the fifth most of any player in their history. So, he's a bit of a legend there. Um, he didn't win any trophies with them, but they did make it to the 2011-2012 Europa League final and also to three Copa del Rey finals uh, as well. But he has played alongside some pretty big names because in 2015, he moved to New York City FC and played alongside Perlo, David Villa, Frank Lampard. He's also played alongside Jack Harrison as well, who obviously deserves to be in that same conversation as one of their ex-teammates. And uh, he very quickly went into coaching. So he's actually only 41. So he's a, he's a very um, new and up-and-coming coach in pretty much every sense of the word. He went straight into coaching. So he's got, um, he went straight into training for his badges, things like that. And very much did what some of us do on Football Manager, which is just to find the most, you know, uh, the the opposite of the most glamorous job you can find and just build your way up as a manager. So he had an opportunity at AEL Lanarka in June 2018 and won the Cypriot Super Cup. Um, and uh, his, his, actually had some decent European form as well. Couldn't quite replicate that domestically, so he did actually lose his job there. Uh, but then he came back to Spain, and since he came back to Spain to be a manager there, uh, things really have uh, rocketed up for him. So uh, he was managing uh, a newly promoted uh, Segunda Division side, uh, CD Mirandes, in the 2019-10 uh, season. And he put on a real show of very attacking football, which was very attractive, um, turned a lot of heads and um, took them on a, on a run to the cup semifinals that eliminated Sevilla, Villarreal, Celta Vigo, 
and they were newly promoted in the Segunda Division. It's incredible. And so after one year, they were snapped up by uh, Real Vallecano, who uh, have a, a, a slightly bigger club. So it was a bit of a promotion for him, but he was still in the Segunda Division. Uh, but he got them promoted at the first time of asking. So got them promoted uh, by finishing sixth, going up via the playoffs, made another cup semi-final, And then in two seasons in La Liga that he's had uh, with uh, Vallecano, um 12th and 11th and so he really overachieved with this newly promoted team and and the the second of those two finishes is is in some respects um I mean the table never lies but they were very much pushing for Europe and then just kind of tired out towards the end of the season a little bit like Leeds we're going to see some um some comparisons with them in terms of the fact that they towards the end of a season when they were under Bielsa would just sort of last few games sort of tire up because the brand of football is just so exhausting. And, and so that's how they ended up finishing 11th. But they had a good record against the big clubs, Barcelona especially, uh, across those two seasons. So three wins and a draw uh, with this newly promoted team playing a very exciting, pragmatic style of football. And uh, yeah, so his contract's run out. And he, well, he knew it was running out and his decision was he was going to move on and uh, just talked about Leeds. He was seen as a good fit to potentially come in uh, to Ellen Road back in February. He didn't want to leave uh, Spain and uh, didn't want to leave Rayo, especially, uh, with the season not quite finished. And so the timing's kind of worked out quite nicely for him. So Leeds have obviously gone down. Uh, Bournemouth were looking for a new manager. Certainly need a little bit of improvement in some areas. And uh, it seems to have worked out quite nicely for him to uh, to come along. Uh, Bill Foley, uh, obviously, uh, of Bournemouth, very excited to have him, saying, we're so excited to welcome Andoni to the club with his contract in Spain coming to an end this summer. He wanted to act quickly. He was highly sought after by other clubs across the continent and his style of play has been an important factor in making this decision. Also, some similarities with Eddie Howe, who we're also going to talk about a little bit later as well. So it could be a really good combination having him at Bournemouth. We could potentially see a return to that exciting style of football they played when they first came up in the Premier League uh, the first time. So, as I said, he's very much a manager who is based around very high intense football um, with a lot of gambling and risk taking in, in the final third. And we're going to have a look at that in more detail now because I have to say, having a look at what he brings to the table, I am super excited to see this in the Premier League. Uh, it's crazy. Now, we, we, talk, we talked about Leeds, we talked about Bielsa. Um, he actually played under Bielsa for two seasons and so it's no surprise that he's very much inspired by what has been described as rock and roll football. Very intense style of play, front-footed defending that aims to press opposing backlines, harass them, force high turnovers in dangerous shooting positions. It is a big risk. Uh, but it's a big reward philosophy uh, that also features a lot of speedy, efficient transition play. And so what we've got on the screen right now is just an incredible stat. I love this stat. There's two stats we're going to have about uh, how this translates into uh, to numbers for, for Vallecano for the most recent season they've had. Incredible. So this is from, this is from Squawker's Twitter. During the 22-23 season, no team in Europe's top five leagues won possession in the final third more times than Rayo Vallecano. Um, and so, the, I mean, some of the some of the clubs that they're just well, well everybody, <laughs> absolutely everybody. But just when you read the names of the teams that they're better at than this, it's incredible. So Man City were eighth with that uh, stat for 221 uh, times the possession was won in the final third. Real Sociedad seventh on 223, Bayern Munich sixth on 224, Marseille fifth on 227, Barcelona fourth on 230. Uh, Serie A champions Napoli, third on 234, um, Athletic Club in La Liga, 237, and Vercano also on 237. So no teams higher than them uh, in that particular uh, area of style of play. And what 
uh, it was usually done by was he would play uh, in theory it's a 4-2-3-1 uh, on paper but it's a, again it's a bit like Bielsa you know you look at what it looks like on paper with the formation but then actually when you watch the game everybody's everywhere and so when the ball gets won back you know the ball goes out to the wide wingers and just as soon as that happens um, it creates a lot of space uh, central space for the playmakers to do their damage as well and everybody just kind of swarms forward that's that's how it works and so um in terms of some expertise from spain on what it's like um watching uh, that team operate uh, f- spanish football expert sid Lowe said there's a vertigo about rayo something wild and wonderful to watch no team has completed more crosses only athletic produce more sprints uh, rayo pressing fast in a first wave uh, then racing back into a deep position if that doesn't work as relentless as they are rapid when they set off they stampede footballers everywhere so very very exciting uh, if you're a bournemouth fan for sure because this is a guy that is as i've said already turning a lot of heads with the way that he's got this team playing and don't forget this team has only been in La Liga for the last two seasons, having only just come up from the season before that. So for him to be able to overachieve in that way is very, very um, noticeable for him coming to Bournemouth, who have only just stayed up in the Premier League this time around. Um, he, he's not going to be daunted by the fact that it's, in inverted commas, only Bournemouth, uh, having done it already in, in a league that features Real Madrid and Barcelona. So let's take it one step further. We talked about um, the winning possession in the final third. Some even more interesting numbers from Opta Joe. It's not just about when they win the ball back and how often they do it. It's what they're doing with the ball uh, when they've won it back. And so according to Opta Joe, across the big five European leagues in 22-23, only Bayern Munich forced more high, tur- more high turnovers uh, that produced a shot than Andoni Areola's Real Vallecano with 68. And so that's turnovers in the final third that resulted in a shot. And only Bayern were ahead of them for that. So Arsenal and PSG had 62 each. Uh, Napoli had 63. Brighton, interestingly, had 67. And of course, you know, that very much was one of the reasons why we, some of us even had three Brighton attackers towards the end of the season, although a lot of us had two, needed to find uh, some input from that attack because it was very good at winning the ball in dangerous positions. And then Vallecano, obviously, 68 uh, and then only buy in higher than that. So this is a manager that can potentially come in and maybe get Bournemouth playing the same way, which is uh, potentially going to make a big, big difference uh, for FPL uh, in the new season. And just a little quote here from Andoni himself. I prefer too much chaos to too much organisation. I prefer us to play at a high pace, even if it means a touch of uh, precipitation, um, then play at a, ho- then play at a higher, uh, lower pace and have more control. We have to do our bit for the people to enjoy it. And so it's going to be a lot of attacking exciting football, uh, which could potentially uh, have an impact on those attacking players. Now, a couple of other extra bits of of context uh, surrounding him coming to Bournemouth. I talked about Eddie Howe already. And so what's really interesting here is that um, they, they know each other. And they're probably going to be very, very happy to see each other again when Bournemouth play Newcastle this season because Eddie Howe, when he was on his sabbatical from management, actually went and spent time watching um, Rayo in person. And, you know, he was looking to, to sort of educate himself and, and better uh, his coaching abilities. And we have to say he's more, more than done that. And so the tactics that Newcastle have been playing, uh, that Eddie Howe has been uh, inputting there, very much inspired by what he saw um, here with uh, with Ariola at Vallecano. So there could be some similarities there. And it should also just be worth saying that if 
he can uh, put if he can instill it into Bournemouth as well as Eddie Howe has into Newcastle almost second hand. You know, he's watched this team play this style of football, worked out how he can replicate it, applied it to a Premier League team. You know, if he's been watching this guy, well, this guy should potentially have as much success, if not more, with the way he's going to transform the team. So as much as my initial reaction when I saw that Gary O'Neill had uh, lost his job and I was very sort of upset for him and I felt a bit, oh, that's, that's harsh. You know, or oh, hope Bournemouth go down now is sort of the response from a lot of people when these these sackings happen. But wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time if we we have these managers that that lose their jobs. It seems a bit harsh, but then the replacement ends up being uh, someone even better. Um, Mark in his uh, article on this on the Fantasy Football Scout website. Don't forget to check that out. That's where I got a lot of this information from. So I have to give him due credit. Made some comparisons possibly with when um, Southampton uh, sacking Nigel Adkins and replacing him with Pochettino. That was seen as harsh at the time, but look what happened there. And then Brighton getting rid of Hutton and replacing uh, him with Potter. You know, Pochettino and Potter were very up-and-coming, exciting, pragmatic coaches that really took both those clubs to a whole new level. So there's there's, there's history here of that potentially sort of working. So um, remember that when Bournemouth do well, come back and tell Mark he was right to make that comparison. <laughs> uh, so let's look at Bournemouth then, because we do have to sort of put all of this into a bit of context. Uh, so we do come back down to worth a little bit here because we have to accept and acknowledge that Bournemouth didn't have a great season. That way they did stay up. And of course we have to give them due credit, but in terms of FPL, it really was not much for us to get too excited about. And so, um, it's a good job that, you know, Rayola is coming in at a time where you can have the whole preseason to get them ready because last season, 22-23, had the fewest number of shots in the Premier League with 358. The second worst tally for big chances with 50. The second least crosses with 509. Um, in defence, no team conceded more uh, shots than them, 626. No team conceded more shots on target than them with 204. So, pretty naff. <laughs> Really rubbish, but, um, you know, we kind of feel like with the way that um, we've seen the new manager play in uh, in Europe, that, that he should improve that just by uh, building the team to operate with his style of play. And if they're winning the ball in that final third, then in a way you're sort of doing your defending there. So you're taking a bit of pressure off the back line. So we should see, we feel like we should see some of those numbers um, go down. But in terms of specific players then, do we feel like he's got the puzzle pieces at Bournemouth to potentially instill his style of football? And there's there's the possibility that he maybe does. So at uh, Veracano, then um, Areola, he had his centre-back Alejandro Catena uh, making a lot of long, incisive, long passes from centre-back. And uh, interestingly, no La Liga player progressed the ball at a higher number of yards than him. So that's very much a, uh, an important part of how he likes to play. And there's the possibility that maybe Marcos Senesi could do this uh, for um, Bournemouth. So he uh, ranked 15th last season among all Premier League centre-backs for long diagonal passes attempted, which was 54, and 14th for completed ones with 31. And so, uh, you know, it's quite a lot of centre-backs in the Premier League, so it's not, not too bad. It's not amazing, but it's just a possible opportunity. He might look at that and be like, you're my guy to do that. Is that going to be much for FPL? Probably not. But it's just about whether or not they can get their style of football up and running to potentially help some of their more attacking players. So we have to talk about Dominic Solanke. Um, No FBL forward assisted more often than him last season. He had 10 assists. Um, And so 
if they can play this style of football, they're going to win the ball in the final third a lot more often, then it, theoretically he's going to have a lot more service. He's going to go up in price this season, we think, because he did have, from an FBL perspective, a very good season. We think he might be uh, perhaps you know closer to six million this year. Is that going to be worth paying? Well, only time will tell, and we'll talk about the fixtures in just a minute. But on paper, if this team is going to be better at having the ball in areas where he can benefit from it, then that that surely is going to make a difference. Now, uh, Marcus Tavernier is another one potentially to look at as well. Nine goal involvements for him last season from just 19 starts. He did have a number of injuries, and so we uh, we do want to sort of keep an eye on his fitness and see what happens there. But you know, if this team really starts getting get going. Uh, then he could be someone to look at if he stays fit. Then we also have to think about Dango Uatara as well. So he impressed uh, after arriving in January. Uh, he had three assists and an XG of 2.03 in his first seven matches. And it did look like he might be able to be you know, a bit of a differential and it kind of faded away. Um, but you know we've seen uh, flashes of quality from him as well. So they're the, they're probably the players that we're looking out for. And this is a good opportunity for me to uh, flog the Fantasy Football Scout preseason page, where you will be able to see everything that's going on in the preseason, especially with those matches. New manager comes into the club. We want to see which of the players he's using most, especially if he's going to completely transform the style of play, which it sounds like he will. We need to know who's starting games, who's starting games in what position, you know, who's taking the set pieces, who's on the penalties, who's getting the goals and the assists, all of those things. All of those things that in previous years, the preseason page has helped us discover Aaron Wambasaka when he was a four million defender before your friends. Same with John Lundstrom as well. So we could uh, have that possibility if you keep an eye on Bournemouth. So make sure you check out the preseason page, bookmark it now and use it as your Bible for the summer as it will help with Bournemouth especially. Now, I promised that we talk about Bournemouth's fixtures. Let's quickly have a look at those and see whether or not that would potentially uh, tilt us in one particular direction with this new manager around. And to be honest, they're quite tough near the beginning. If you go back and have a look at our fixtures videos that we've done since the fixtures came out, you know, you'll have seen in the best fixtures video, which make sure you go check that out. You will see that Bournemouth is a team that we weren't all that excited about fixture wise. They were, however, potentially a team to look at in terms of the fixture swings. So if you're looking to plan your first wildcard, uh, go and have a look at our fixture swings video or fixture swings podcast, depending on which platform you're accessing this on, uh, for more details on when is the best time to play that. Bournemouth sort of featured in there somewhat because it looks like game week eight when they start to be a bit more appealing. So let's go into the details of those fixtures then uh, just to help you out. So West Ham at home game week one is not bad, but then Liverpool away game week two, Spurs at home game week three, Brentford away game week four, Chelsea at home game week five, Brighton away game week six, Arsenal at home game week seven. Oh, some horrible games. I mean, that, that's just so many of last season's really, really overperforming teams like Arsenal, Brighton, Brentford. Uh, all in there with Chelsea and Spurs, who we think will probably have better seasons this year. Now they've both got new managers with very clear identities uh, at the helms. And we think they're going to do much better this season. And another opportunity for me to push the scout reports on Postacoglu and Pochettino, if you want to know more details on why we think Spurs and Chelsea could be better next year. And also Liverpool away game too. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. And so it could very much be a sort of wait and see with them because then game week eight, Everton away, very nice. Wolves at home, very nice. Burnley at home. Very nice. And so we get them getting so many of the nasty fixtures out of the way in the first seven. It's very much the second half of the first half of the campaign where Bournemouth have a bit more of a run of nice fixtures and could potentially build up ahead of steam, provided their confidence hasn't taken too much of a hit after maybe getting some disappointing results in those first seven games. But the thing is here, to what is worth considering, is that 
Um, when we think about this new style of play that he's going to bring to Bournemouth, uh, it's entirely possible that it is does get some success in the first seven. And this is why it's actually quite good that their fixtures aren't too good because no one's really going to go anywhere near Bournemouth's players at this time of the season. Firstly, because it's Bournemouth, and that's no disrespect to them, but it's just they haven't been a team that's been offering lots of fantasy assets of late. So first thing, there's that. Second thing, the fixtures aren't nice either. And so you're not going to be missing out on much by not having a Bournemouth player. And so that means that you can really watch them and see what impact they're having. And when you think about it, with him being a Bielsa disciple and uh, Vallecano have, have been able to uh, upset some big teams, as I said, three wins and a draw against Barcelona in those two seasons uh, in uh, La Liga for him. Maybe, maybe we could see them uh, really surprising some of these teams. And it wouldn't be the first time that a Bournemouth team was able to do that. Because if you all remember how this team operated when they first came up in the Premier League, uh, under Eddie Howe, they were very, very good at causing upsets. Now, it's a very different squad of players. Uh, you know, we've got a high turnaround, but there's a couple of uh, faces that are still there. And of course, you know, the culture of the club has, has very much stayed the same throughout that whole period um, in terms of playing identity to some extent. You know, there's just the possibility that a manager who knows how to surprise bigger clubs with a smaller underdog club, marrying up with a club that in its Premier League history has done a good job of upsetting those big teams, could work out that they maybe come out with those first seven games with more points than you expect, uh, certainly with more goals than you expect, maybe even more clean sheets, that sort of thing, so that you go into game week eight knowing Salanke is the one, or going into game week eight knowing that Sinesti is the one, because he's got some clean sheets and he gets those long passes, for example. So, possibility that we could see them um, really surprise people at the start of the season. Of course, it's entirely possible that this new style of play doesn't work with the current crop of players and they get absolutely whacked in those first seven games and you don't want to buy them for game week eight. <laughs> That's also possible. But with, but there's a lot of things that add up that suggest uh, that things could be much improved uh, for Bournemouth next season. So that's everything from me on the new Bournemouth manager. I hope you've liked this video. And uh, speaking of, uh, if you haven't done already, please do actually hit the like button on this video if you enjoyed it and subscribe to the Fantasy Football Scout uh, YouTube channel so that we know uh, to make more of the content that you guys like. Hit that bell notification as well because during the summer, very, very important time of year for you to have that bell notification on. There's no deadlines. And so the best way to make sure you don't miss any content is to get that notification straight to your device that there is new content for you to check out. We've got loads of other scout reports that we've been doing over the summer of new players, players changing clubs. So we've got Nkunku going to Chelsea. We've done a have a look at him to see whether or not he's going to be worth having an FPL next season. Uh, McAllister going to Liverpool and loads of others. We've talked about the managers as well, assessing what impact they're going to have on their new clubs and what that's going to mean for FPL for the new season. So there's loads of content there. Loads of content on the fixtures as well. Best fixtures, best rotations for captaincy and for defensive bearings as well. And when we think is a good time to wildcard. Go check those content, uh, get those, that content out with a video podcast to make sure you get ahead of your friends as you prepare for the new season. The best way to get ahead of your mates in FPL, of course, is to make sure you are a Fantasy Football Scout member as well. So head to fantasyfootballscout.co.uk, go up to Members Benefits, have a look at the many, many uh, things you're going to be able to, to get if you are a member in terms of things like the season ticker, members articles, points projections, rate my team tool, so many tables, so many comparison tools. It's just so much. I mean, I could probably do a whole hour-long video slash podcast on all the different things that are in there. It will almost certainly help you um, do much better in FPL than if you didn't have it. So make sure you sign up for the new season. With that, I'll leave you fine, folks, to enjoy the rest of your summer, and I will see you next time.